0: world champion crowned in Magni-Core as another rises from the ashes at Assen. Welcome to episode 33 of Bike Live. Let's go! Yes, it's a warm welcome to episode 33 of Bike Live here on Motorsport 101 looking back on a historic weekend of Superbikes last weekend uh, at Magni-Core and at Assen we will look back on Jonathan Ray's coronation at Magny cours he became the first rider ever to win three consecutive World Superbike titles uh, out in France last weekend and he did it in style as well. Um, we'll look back on all the action as it turned out even though he won the title it'll be to something of a mixed weekend for Johnny Ray as his bad luck struck immediately after winning the title in race two. Um, bad luck doesn't go even near to covering it for World Supersport as Keenan Safoglu's injury jinx struck again leaving Lucas Myers with a clear run to the title. We'll also talk about the World Supersport 300 class as Mark Garcia sets up a winner-takes-all finale with Alfonso Coppola at Jerez in two weeks' time. And we will talk about all of the showdown action from Assen in BSB as a non-showdown contender returned to winning ways uh, for the first time since World Superbikes' heyday um, back in 2014. I know Dre is dying to tell you about that one um we'll also cover all the big news of the week as christian Eden confirms his spot on the bsb grid for next season and jules cluzel joins the greatest name of team any of us have ever seen in the World super sport field next year it's an absolute doozy don't worry about that we'll also tell you about the big news at jacati as Ernesto marinelli leaves the team and the injury news which could rule the home favorite out of the australian grand prix later this month um for all of that, though, let's introduce Andre Harrison, who's um,
1: particularly chipper after this week's Superbike Action. Welcome, Dre. I was just more happy about United winning Oh, no. Oh, wait. What, something else happened this weekend? <laughs> but, yeah, some some guy came and, you know, actually won on that Suzuki. Mm.
0: Still with Ginters, damn it. He's yes! still with Ginters, And, um, yes! yeah, he's finally had his reward for uh, a year <laughs> of suffering um, as Sylvan took the victory. Well, also, incidentally, um, given that this has been a slightly... Uh, delayed week of uh, podcasting here on Motorsport 101. We're actually recording this on the Saturday uh, lunchtime, Saturday afternoon after qualifying has taken place at Suzuka. Um, So, um, yeah, Dre, you're doing well, Dre, I have to say, to uh, to keep that smile on your face, given that um, Sebastian Vettel and Ferrari were curb stomped by the Mercs in qualifying earlier today.
1: I I told you before, like, Ferrari are the Atlanta Falcons of Formula One. Why bother rooting for them when you can just wait for them not to show up?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and they, um,
1: they look so good on Friday as well. Incidentally, though, um, we'll talk
0: about episode 107 at the end of the show in terms of what, what's to come, because we've given you a bit of an indication given that Formula 1 is at Suzuki this weekend. Um, but also, Dre, episode 106, um, as you listen to this um, on Bike Live, episode 106 will be online and available to listen to. Um, tell the listeners, the, uh, the loyal listeners, what they can hear on episode 106. Sepang, Formula 1, top of the agenda.
1: Yeah, that was a a mixed bag, to say the least. Um, Yeah, we'll be talking about all of what happened at Sepang in in Formula One, as well as an extended edition of the mailbag. Some of the news, a lot of hype towards uh, the Petit Le Mans at uh, Road Atlanta, which is going to start in a few hours' time. And uh, surprise, surprise, everybody. Penske on top of a timesheet. You're all shocked. (laughs) Uh, So... All that, inevitably, and a lot more. Obviously, in the big driver shake-up news as well, coming from Formula One. Surprise, surprise, Jodian Palmer's taking his ball and going home early. Um, so more of that and inevitably more um, on episode 106. That'll be out by the time you're listening to this. Um, so, uh, yeah, all that fun stuff and uh, me uh, venting my displeasure at Lance Stroll. With, you know... That, that alone is going to be worth listening to it for, surely, right? Yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. It's almost as it's almost if like Sky listened to our podcast and thought, you know what, we're going to release some extra footage here as a right of reply. Uh, we're, now, we're now going to release strolls on boards to try and counter this. Um, incidentally, though, you can uh, you can listen to that by heading to all the usual places, including iTunes and SoundCloud. Our website is motorsport101.net, and if you want to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. On Twitter, we are at motorsport underscore 101. Um, on YouTube, if you want to find uh, show highlights and weekly video blogs um, and all that good stuff, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Um, and if you like us so much that you want to earn yourself early access to both this show and to motorsport101 by backing us financially, head to patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Let's head then to Core first and talk... World Superbikes and uh, the coronation that we all expected um, this uh, last weekend at Magni Core to Jonathan Ray, who became the first rider ever to win three consecutive uh, World Superbike titles. And um, I think what was nice about this, Dre, I mean, Jonathan Ray's been brilliant all year, as he has been for the last three years, was the way he clinched this. I mean, we've seen him in the previous couple of years. And I know Johnny Ray wanted to clinch it in style after winning it with a fourth in 2015, and then winning it with a distant second to Charles Davies in Qatar um, in race one last year. I know Jonathan Murray desperately wanted to win this title in style, and I think it's fair to say he succeeded in that mission.
1: Beat him down! Um, yeah, no surprises there. Um, well, actually, to be fair, that was a, that was a hefty mullering of the field. Even by on... his
0: standards, it was a Even by his an standards... Absolute paggering.
1: Yeah, pole by 1.2 seconds and then wins the race itself by 16. Okay, (laughs) it was a wet race, so obviously probably not the greatest barometer of how much of a pace advantage Jonathan Ray had, but uh, destruction is, is probably the best way I can describe that. That was a devastating um performance um yeah by by even by his standards to just completely destroy the field like that and uh yeah, as you say winning in style the last year was a pretty tame and her last year but uh this time around um yeah just completely curb stomped the field in race one and just, just effortless victory from Jonathan Ray to seal his third title. Just just outstanding stuff.
0: Yeah, all we needed was the Mortal Kombat voice of flawless victory <laughs> at the end as, uh, as Jonathan Ray crossed the line because he was just miles better um, than everyone else. Yeah, qualifying was was good enough in that he seems um, to forget this, given the way the weekend pan out. He actually crashed right at the start of Super Pole 2 um, as he was uh, going out there in the filthy wet conditions um, of Saturday morning where it was absolutely lashing it down um jonathan ray then picked the bike back up didn't get back out there on track until about four minutes to go um so he only had two hot laps to actually get the job done and immediately on his first time lap he was a second ahead um of, uh, of i think tom sykes who was on pole at that stage um and sykes went and ended up qualifying third a second and a half down it was leandro mccardo who actually took second on the grid between the factory Kawasaki's? We'll talk about him um, later on. Um, but yeah, as you say, Dre, uh, Rain is meant to be, as we say, a leveller, um, as the cliche goes in World Superbikes, but it kind of had the opposite effect this time because, quite clearly, as well as being the best guy in the dry, Jonathan Ray is quite comfortably the best guy in the wet as well.
1: Yeah, we have come to the conclusion that World Superbikes is basically moto-free. Add rain, then a the race gets infinitely worse. Mm. Um, yeah, and surprisingly less competitive there. Yeah, the rider seems to stand out a lot more, and uh, yeah, Jonathan Ray completely destroyed everybody, and the rain spaced everybody out a little bit more. It was very bizarre in that sense. It's a, uh, it, was, it, it led us to a bit of a dry spell in terms of a race itself, but still... Um, Yeah, it just highlighted just how much of an advantage Jonathan Ray had in those conditions. fantastic stuff.
0: Yeah, we didn't really get much in the way of excitement until Malandri caught Sykes in the closing stages and they had a brilliant battle on the last couple laps between those two uh, as they were fighting over second. We'll talk about that in a bit. But, uh, But yeah, I remember back when Jonathan Ray was on the Honda Um, in in World Superbikes and would often I remember often looking forward to wet races thinking oh this gives Johnny Ray a chance Um, so it was even back then it was a case of yeah Ray's clearly the guy to look for in wet conditions and now that he's the best in the dry as well um, wet conditions basically render him a cheat code um, in those kind of conditions he he, he was so incredibly strong Um, and yeah as I say it it was so nice to see him win the championship in this fashion wasn't it given the way his two previous titles were won Um, and the outpouring immediately of um, congratulations towards him. And what really put a smile on my face to Ray, I don't know about you, was one of the very first people on social media to congratulate Jonathan Ray was Mark Marquez, the, the reigning MotoGP yes. champion. Um, and that just goes to, says it in many ways better than any of us can, when the best rider on the planet, Mark Marquez, even he rates, respects and appreciates Jonathan Ray as high as just about anybody, which just says
1: everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean it's a it's a strong case of game recognized game here. Um yeah, like again, just uh, just saluting his amazing performance. Um and yeah, Mark Marquez, the best bike rider on the planet right now, if you ask me, is uh yeah, give giving a tip of the hat to the, to the man on the superbike right now, which is uh, which is very, very nice to see. Um yeah, um, um, unbelievable. It's um, you know, it's unbelievable outpouring. So well. I saw Max Biaggi pour out, pour, run out and support Alex Lowes. Is yeah, his old and rival. But again, one of the first guys to congratulate him after the race. Um, guys from BSB, was and the Alsi MotoGP themselves, and the they do, they do keep half an eye on their own sister product, mm-hmm. even if it's like little sister. But still, yeah, like the outpouring of support kind of said it all. Really, like they know this man's the best, and um. We salute him thusly.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's quite clearly the best. And yeah, it he was he was, he was cool to see so many people um, stepping up and, uh, and and voicing their congratulations to him. In terms of how he's won this championship, I mean, he's pretty much had it won from the get-go. He's been that much better um, than everyone else. And in, in many ways, Dre, the first four races didn't really tell us anything that we didn't already know uh, from previous years about John the race. He won two tight races at, at Phillip Island against Chaz Davies. Um, which, has, again, has been a, a sort of a feature of his previous two titles where he's had some very close battles uh, at Phillip Island, which have gone right the way to the flag, before dominating in Thailand, winning the two races there by an absolute mile. Um, and it was really there where we saw Jonathan Ray, one of the features of his season, uh, which we saw in Thailand, where Jonathan Ray was able to do what no one else really could do, and that's just slice his way from ninth on the grid to first in no time at all.
1: Exactly. That, that's that been arguably the most important part of Jonathan Ray's game is in those races to him mastering the reverse grid rule is what's made him so strong. Like the fact he's been able just to bully his way past the majority of the slower bikes in front of him in the first two or three laps. And he's able to comfortably lead and play something that Chaz and Tom has not really been able to do, his two main title rivals this season. I mean, that is what's stood out for me more than anything else, is that he's mastered the and adapted to the new rules that's been laid out in front of him. And he's taking himself to another level again.
0: <laughs> yeah, he has. He's he's just he, I I said this last week about Jonathan Ray, and that the, when you throw rule changes at a sport to try and clip the wings of the best rider or best team in the field, you often find it's the best rider who finds a way around it first because he's the best. Um exactly. and Jonathan Ray has done that this year. Um so he took two wins uh, in Thailand, um, to take himself to four from four that then became five from five uh, at aragon in race one and then another key moment in the season dre because um i think Chaz davies um we were still talking about him in terms of a real title push um but once Chaz davies was beaten by jonathan ray at the quintessential Chaz davies circuit of aragon i think we all started to step up and realize that hey johnny's just level above these
1: guys yeah pretty much i mean when, when he's able to go with to Chaz and then beat him in race one broke him in race one Forced him into um, an error where he fell off. Yeah, exactly. They was able to keep pace him all through race two, and you know was right there, right at the end of the race as well. It kind of proved that, yeah, Jonathan Reza is, is is just a cut above everybody else right now. He's found another part of his game where he's, he can now match, if not beat, the best at their own circuits. I mean, we talked to, we're going to talk about it in a minute as well, but Donington as well, where he, where he was the first man to beat Tom Sykes. Streak of consecutive it was nine straight wins at Silverstone. Um, well, sorry, sorry, at Donington Park until, um, until again, the again, the race two rules came into play again. Tom was not able to get past, um, you know, the the, the reverse grid runners as quickly as Jonathan did. And then by the time that Tom was in clear air, he ran out of laps. That kind of says it all, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's been such a key, uh, secret to Johnny Ray's success. And, and yeah, you, you mentioned Donington, and as you say, he broke. Tom Sykes' five-year winning streak, his nine-race winning streak at Donington. And uh, and again, it's another sign of what makes these riders so great in that they, even when they're winning everything in sight, they still find new ways of motivating themselves to to, to do even better. And uh, I know from um, Greg Haynes mentioning it in commentary um, earlier in the season that right the way back from November, from the HF test last season, when John and Ray outpaced a number of MotoGP bikes, it was a big source of motivation for him to basically sort of filled the blanks if you like from previous years and beat beat chas Davies at aragon was one of them and beat tom sykes at donington was another um jonathan ray succeeding in both of those and yeah it, again it just it's a, it's a measure of the man isn't it That even when he's won everything there is to win essentially um in his class and in his sport he's still able to find new ways to motivate himself and drive himself to even greater
1: heights that's the part of Jonathan Ray that you know you have to sit back and applaud. He you never, never gets complacent. This was he's chasing history now, and again, this is his third straight title. He's he's not slowed down. He's still finding new ways to, to, to be fast and to be motivated and captivated. And again, like the rules have changed, he's still found the way to come out on top. And he's showing no signs of slowing down. And he's he's in his he's in his prime now as a bike rider. And that's completely invincible right now. I mean, he's only thirty one in February. He's still got plenty of years yet mm. uh, where he can go out of his way to to you know, to, to push harder and maybe break, maybe break every record in the book. So. Jonathan Ray is is, is on uh, is on a different planet, right, now to everybody else, and like no one's got any real sign to, at least in my opinion, of being able to challenge him at the moment.
0: No, I mean Max Biaggi was still winning World Superbike titles at forty, wasn't he? So, exactly, <laughs> Jonathan Ray, if he wants, could have another decade, yeah, in World Superbikes if he still wants to compete that that late into his life. Um, but yeah, following on from Donington, where of course Jonathan Ray um, took what was Kawasaki's hundredth World Superbike win there. Um, beating Sykes for the first time, first time anyone had beaten him there since 2012. Um, We went on to Mizano, and and a a key moment, really, in the season. I mean, even though we all pretty much assumed that, even at that stage, that Johnny Ray was probably going to win the championship, Chaz Davies and Tom Sykes were still close enough to say to have an argument to say they could still maybe make a late-season charge if Johnny Ray had some problems. Um, As it was, though, it was Chaz Davies that hit problems at Mizano, and really the, uh, the crash which took down Jonathan Ray, um, and in fact, it was the contacts from Jonathan Ray that ended up doing the damage. Essentially, essentially ruling Chaz Davies. Even any slim hopes Chaz Davies had were extinguished at Misano, Dre.
1: Exactly. That was a disastrous round for everybody involved. You know, Sykes getting the jammy win was one thing, but obviously um, Chaz falling off there on the final lap at Misano, and Ray was able to continue. And you know, Chaz got got hurt, injured, missed missed time, and. You know, Jonathan was able to continue, still finish on the podium, still take, you know, massive points out of Chaz, And that effectively ended the title race as we knew it.
0: Mm, yeah, it did. And uh, Chaz Davies missed race two, which obviously um, cost him a whole, a whole heap of points as Johnny Ray actually only finished third in that second race at Mizano. Um, as we had a, a, an unusual uh, podium fight with Marco Malandri ending up winning that one. Um, in race two. Um, On to Laguna second where Chaz Davies returned from injury to win race one, but Johnny Ray then got his win back in race two, uh, as Chas couldn't find his way through the traffic this time, as Jonathan Ray could. Um, its ring around that Chaz dominated last year and dominated again, but Johnny Ray did all he had to do, really, by finishing second to take a 70-point championship lead over Sykes, who was really now his only... Um, semi-realistic title contender, and then that all ended Dre in a ball of fire at Portimao.
1: Exactly, just a, just a technical error again. The, the bike just 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 uh, died on on Tom, caught fire. Of course, he Tom's been flung off the thing. You know, pretty much broke his thumb in half. Poor guy. Uh, and again, had to miss both rounds in Portimao and our weekend, which of course Jonathan Ray won both races in. Chaz Davis falling in race one as well was the last thing anybody would have would have wanted as well absolutely, you know, pretty much ending the slim chances that either of them had of the title at that point. That was that was pretty much all they wrote on that one. Mm,
0: yeah, it was. And, of course, Jonathan Murray would then go on to clinch the title um, last weekend at Magny Cor, And, you know, the injuries um, to, to Davies back at Mazzano and to Sykes at Portinau really, haven't, rather than deciding the championship, were just more delayed the inevitable or brought forward the inevitable to, uh, to Magny Corr, who probably won it at Areth anyway um, had that not happened. And it, it's worth pointing out that it's not like Jonathan Reyes had a, uh, a season that hasn't had bad luck intercept it at various stages. Of course, he had the tyre coming off the rim at the bottom of Corona Curves at Donington, um, oh which, which ruled him out of a podium there. And hell, he's lucky he didn't rule him out of, of more. Lucky he didn't hurt himself there, um, given how high speed a crash it was. And then, of course, he was tripped up by the Davies crash, which was no fault of Johnny Reyes and that Mizano, which uh, left Jonathan Ray to pick his bike up off the floor and finish third as his teammate won the race. And um, yep. it, it, It's amazing how this, this plays out, Dre, because, of course, in Magnet Corps at the weekend, much like in 2015 where uh, Jonathan Ray won the title and then his bike failed on him in the final round in Qatar, once Jonathan Ray has the title won, it seems as if the uh, racing gods decide they want to turn on him again.
1: Exactly. Was what happened in, in France Race 2. Um, Eugene Laverty falls off the bike, And as he's as the bike falls, um, obviously loose with no rider on it, it it tags Jonathan Ray and basically breaks his his, his rear brake and suspension unit. So Jonathan had to immediately go into the garage and park the bike. I think he damaged his ankle a little bit as well. Hopefully not too bad. But um, yeah, nasty, nasty, um, unfortunate series of events there for Johnny on that one where just 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 completely caught by a by a falling lavity and a, and a loose bike uh, very unfortunate in that sense
0: because yeah, we're talking again about Jonathan Ray trying to find new ways of motivating himself and one of those was to try and set the new world superbike all-time points record for a season uh, which is currently held um by Colin Edwards after that thrilling 2002 season where he and Troy Bayliss won every race but one uh, between them over the course of the season um Jonathan Ray now has 456 with 100 left to play play for. So essentially, Dre, there is no other way of, do, of saying this. For Jonathan Ray to now break the record, he now has to win each of the last four races. Um, the two in Haretta and the two in Qatar. Um, Qatar, which in previous years has not been a Kawasaki round, let's be fair, um, if Jonathan Ray is going to win the championship. But even without that record, which um, looks like it might well just pass him by for another season, um, Jonathan Ray now surely... Um, he's now up on a pedestal. We, we can ask the question in a minute whether he is already the greatest World Superbike rider of all time, but certainly he's now on a pedestal with Fogarty and Bailey. as the only three riders who could even make a case to being the greatest World Superbike rider ever.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. He's definitely in the conversation now as the greatest World Superbike rider we've ever seen. Um, that is his complete dominance of a very stacked field, the combination of, 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 <clears throat> of brilliant bike and rider, um, I mean, Jonathan Ray's taken himself to a whole other level now that he, he's, he's moved away from Honda and has found himself on this Kawasaki and is spearheading in his team. He's now the face of Kawasaki as a brand at this point. Mm. Uh, and, and it's no coincidence when you, when you watch IndyCar races and you, you get Kawasaki adverts, Jonathan Ray's the guy in the adverts now. He is he is becoming the, the the face of the series, the face of the brand for Kawasaki. And you know, he is like he's won these he's won these championships and no one has even come close since since he's joined Kawasaki. No one has been in the same ballpark as him since since the start. And if, if he wins a couple more and you know climbs that wins list a little bit further. He's he's definitely going to be in that conversation as as the greatest we've ever seen in World Superbikes. He's incredible.
0: Yeah, he's. I mean, got a lot of credit he deserves uh, to go to Kawasaki on this one. Who incidentally, Kawasaki Racing Team won the teams championship last weekend as well. Uh, of course, by <laughs> virtue of, of Tom Sykes's seventh place in race two. Not the uh, the most um, glorious of ways to clinch a championship, but that was how they won it with with Sykes's uh, nine points for, s- for seventh in race two. Because um, of course, Johnny was out of that race. Um, and yeah, they deserve an awful credit. And again, that just that that you've mentioned there, the fact that Kawasaki are now using Jonathan Ray as a, as a means to promote their their machines around the world just justifies their decision to put all their eggs in the
1: World Superbike basket. Exactly. Like, who needs MotoGP right now? I mean, MotoGP is expensive. It's prototypes. It's an incredible amount of investment, and often the pain might not be worth it, especially now with more and more factories taking part and it's hard to stand out in that sort of field. I mean, so- sometimes it is better off if you just drop down and dominate another class. And, you know, it's a more relatable series because th- these bikes you can actually go into a showroom and buy. Um, well, 95% of what you get on a superbike you-, you can buy in a in a dealership right now for the best part of 20 grand. So, yeah, like when you've got a guy on this level and, you know, Jonathan Ray's now won his 50th world superbike race. He's only nine off the all-time record now. Um, and you've got that guy who's dominating multiple bikes and he's on the face of every Kawasaki advert you see now as opposed to Tom Sykes again, says it all like the, guy, the guy is unassailable at the moment it's incredible
0: yeah, because we, we you know, like I said when we're having this conversation about who is the greatest World super rider. Ride have, of course Bayliss and, and Fogarty come into the, the yeah. argument and you know, Bayliss um Won his three titles, and as I say, it was very nearly four. He was beaten at the last corner by Bailey Zidler, uh, by Edwards Zidler in two thousand and two. Otherwise, he would have matched Fogarty for four uh, titles. And yeah, Jonathan Ray has got all the time in the world really to to go and match or beat um, Fogarty's record of four titles. Um, and as I say, no one has ever won three in a row as Jonathan Ray has done. Obviously, that by. Uh, Associations. No one has ever won four in a row, which Jonathan Ray will be looking to do next year. Nine race wins short of the all-time race wins record, um, which will probably go next year um, if Jonathan Ray keeps up his recent uh, record of a uh, of rate of victories. He's been double figures of victories um, in the last three years now, um, so that record could go next year too. He's been absolutely outstanding uh, over the last three years, and. As we say, Dre, um, Max Bianchi won World Superbike titles in his early 40s. We've got Shaky Burn, who's still um, a class leader in BSB at the age of 41. Um, There's no reason. If Jonathan Ray wants to, he could still have the best part of another decade at the top of World Superbikes.
1: That's a terrifying thought. Um, Gosh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, don't Bucks has been a bit more kind for the older rider out there, like people like Carlos Checker and Max Piaggi are still, you know, r- r- raced at an elite level deep into their late 30s and early 40s. So, again, there's there's no reason to to suggest why Ray can't, you know, stick around for for, for many many years um, around that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah, and of course there are some who are saying, hey, he's still only 31. There's still time for him to make that MotoGP switch um which uh, hey as much as i would love to see that because i think he 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 deserves to be in that company he is you know he is every bit as good as the majority of the riders in that field um in, in motor gp and, and like we like said right at the top when you've got people like mark marquez who are recognizing how good this guy is um that just that for me settles the argument that anybody would try to put forward about how how good jonathan ray or indeed how good the best of world Superbikes are jonathan ray is is um, a match for anyone in, in world motorcycle sport at the moment. Um, his misfortune, if you want to put it that way, in race two opened the door for Chaz Davies to take victory uh, in race two. Chaz Davies, who'd done the double last year at Magni Corps um, in the uh, two races, one of which was heavily affected by rain, as uh, the first race was this weekend. Um, race two was briefly affected by rain in that there were slight drops of rain falling as the race went on, and despite that, which at one point looked to threaten uh, Chaz Davies' hopes of a victory. Um, this was a race, really, from Chaz's point of view, Dre. That was just begging to be won.
1: It was, um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, which way you cut it, I mean, race one was disappointing for Chaz because he was in the wrong. He was in the wrong engine map. He was, he had the map for dry setup, and he kept switching between dry and wet, and that's what ultimately hurt him in that one. But. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Race 2 was, was 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 a gimme, given that Jonathan Ray was not involved. Chas has always gone well around Magny Cor. Um But the second half of the season in general, Chas is very strong. So yeah, he, he had a golden chance to, to, to pick up a bit of form and get a win here, and he absolutely did it um, in, in convincing fashion. No one else really gave him a friend up the front. And, um, yeah, just a, a very, very clear, straightforward victory given, you know, the, the issues with Jonathan Ray.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing how this season, again, in in another way, is following on from the last two years. Because it looks like we're heading for another uh, final round decider to see f- who finishes a runner-up, aren't we? Um, between Chaz Davis and Tom Sykes, who uh, had, a, had a mixed weekend. Um, Sykes, who we, we shouldn't forget, is still riding injured and having snapped his thumb uh, at Portsmouth last time out. And was still in, a, in an element of discomfort. Um, last weekend um, his performance in race one I think was certainly more impressive than his race two showing where he was anonymous really selected the wrong tyre compound and ended up seventh um, but his, his battle with Marco Malandri uh, at the end of race one Dre in a sport which has come in for criticism in recent weeks and recent rounds for how boring the verticalness it's been with Jonathan Ray dominating that last couple of laps between Tom Sykes and Marco Malandri was some thrilling superbike racing
1: stunning stuff um just ruthless from both men there block passes you know um standing guys up you name it it was there that was a magnificent last couple of lap dog fight between Melandry and sykes there old school bike racing in its finest
0: <sighs> mm, and they very nearly took each other off at Hill as well the uh, the fast right hander at the start of the lap where um they their different lines were very striking where sykes um who, as you mentioned himself, who was just struggling for grip, so he was trying to take the Tom Sykes line of, you know, making a V through a corner rather than the U shape, and really trying to sort of fire it out of the corners from a relatively slow apex speed. And of course, because he was taking much wider lines, to try and fire out the corner, he ended up chopping across the front of Malandri, who was trying to go up the inside of him um, with a couple laps to go, and the two came together, um, and bits fell off the front of the Ducati as well as the, as it happened. And you know, somehow, Marco Malandri didn't fall off the bike. Uh, and was able to get back on, on board and, and overtake him on the final that to, uh, to take second place um, Sykes taking third which with Davies down in 10th uh, in that first race gave Sykes a sizable advantage in the fight for the runner-up spot but of course he handed those points all straight back again to Davies uh, in race two by finishing in seventh place as it is at the moment there are nine points between them uh, Sykes over Davies for second in the championship with four races to go so that one will probably go down to Qatar um, in terms of race two though with uh, Davies taking the win and Jonathan Ray out of contention and Tom Sykes struggling. First time that Kawasaki, incidentally, have not had a podium finisher in a World Superbike race since the final round of 2015, um, the aforementioned race where Jonathan Ray's bike broke down. Um, they've, every single race since then has had a Kawasaki rostrum, man. Until this one, because the two remaining rostrum spots alongside Chaz Davis were taken by Yamaha riders. Um, and another um, piece of history first double Yamaha rostrum since the final round of 2011. Um, in Portimao, back the last race before Yamaha pulled out of World Superbikes um, way back when, when Marco Melandri and Eugene Laverty were their riders. And to be fair to Yamaha, whilst this result doesn't necessarily suggest that they've made progress because, of course, the um, two main protagonists in green were having their own problems, um, it's a deserved result, isn't it, Joy? this for Yamaha who have been there, there or thereabouts all season. They've been there to take advantage of of misfortune ahead of them, and that misfortune has never really come um, for for the Yamaha this season. But they got their awards this time, and a second and a third is just reward for the progress they've made this season.
1: Yeah, they've, they've done a great job all season long, pretty much, and you know you can't argue with that. They, they've they've deserved something like this, something along those lines, um, pretty pretty much all season long. And again, as you say, they've, they've always, they always going to get something like this as a result of other teams um you know having bad days and again that, that hasn't really happened this season i mean there's asking four bikes to well, we're at least three out of the four to have a bad day is a big ask in bike racing but um they'll take those lots where they can get them and yeah second and third their best result of the year as a team was, was, was tremendous stuff and uh yeah, well-earned, indeed, for, for both um, Lowe's and Van der Mark, indeed.
0: Yeah, and they were just three seconds off the win with Alex Lowe's, and it, it was incredible, wasn't it? Because at one point, as the drizzle started to fall in that second race, and, of course, World well, Superbikes does not have red flags in, in dry races. They have the bike changes, or the tyre changes, should I say, in pit lane. So we knew this race wasn't going to be stopped. Um, and with a few laps to go, as the drizzle was starting to fall, Many of us were watching this, including probably a, a very hungover Rebecca James um, uh, down under somewhere uh, in Australia. <laughs> I think we were all
1: sitting there thinking, "Is Alex Lowe's going to win this one?" Yeah, like he was—he he, was—he was challenging. He he had a good turn of pace out there, you know. Had had half an ask of you know maybe getting up there and you know really really challenging for it, but uh, not quite on this occasion. Chances of a little bit too much in hand. Just needed that rain but, to get a little heavier, didn't he? Indeed, he was, he was right on the brink there, so I'm uh, lucky, but, but a hell of an effort indeed.
0: <laughs> yeah, hell of an effort from the Yamahas. Second and third, their best result of the season, as I say. First double rostrum for a Yamaha World Superbike team since out 2011. Um, they they got that double rostrum, um, and as much as we're happy to, to see that, we kind of wanted uh, a rider wearing red leathers to be on the podium with them, and I'm not talking about Marco Melandri here. Uh, we're talking about a Briton on an Envy Augusta. Uh, Leon Camille, who took fourth in race one. Um, stop me if you've heard this before. Leon Camille finishing fourth. It's happened a lot in recent years. Um, which earned him race two pole um, for the second race of the day. And given his pace, we all thought, or certainly I did, much like in Portima, thinking, well, this has surely got to be the one for Leon Camille to finally get that MV Augusta on a rostrum. But once again, Dre, just as everything looked good for MV to finally step on a rostrum, the bike went pop. <laughs>
1: Here we go again, folks. Mm. Uh, and Envy Augusta blows up in a critical moment again. Um, like it's 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 not being funny now. It's getting nah. ridiculous. It's like guys, come on! Like the guy is riding your nuts off, off, off this machine right now. and Like when the thing blows up, it just it might it's, it, it must be just utterly infuriating for Cameo because he's so good, and yet here we are again, just uh, <laughs> another case where he's. He's performed strong, but unfortunately has been uh, had it ripped out from underneath him due to a result of poor reliability. Yeah, Again. And, and,
0: and there are rumours circulating, mm. or there have been rumours in the last month or so circulating, linking Leon Camia with the Red Bull Honda seat alongside Stefan Braddle next year, um, which mm. took which took me by surprise when I first heard it, um, the, thinking why would Camia want to lead the team he's out at the moment. But with every uh, MV blow-up that goes past... Leon Camus is going to be looking at that Red Bull Honda seat and he's going to be looking more and more attractive to him, isn't it?
1: You have to think that. I mean, yeah, okay, Honda is a long way off where the MV is in terms of raw performance right now, but just the reliability alone would be worth it. And and
0: later down the road, you think the ceiling is probably a bit higher at Honda than it's ever going to be at MV.
1: Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, at least that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Honda might be a better... I mean, it's a factory seat. It's only going to get better as time goes on and as more investment comes in. Um, MV don't really care about World Superbikes right now. and they, It's not even really a factory team, quote-unquote. They're, they're, they're run by a third party, and yet MV themselves don't really pour money into the program. So Kami is basically riding essentially a dead horse, um, and, and it's come back to hurt them in the long run, really, and that's a shame.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's coming back to hurt them in, in the Super Sport class as well, isn't it? Given that, I mean, they they had a podium this this weekend with PJ Jacobson, which we'll we'll cover in a moment. But that was the first podium for him and for MV Augustus factory World Super Sport team all year. Um, so yeah, they've they've been in a, a state of decline in, in Super Sport, and yeah, unless they pump some money into the Superbike program, they're going to be declining there too, um, and. You know, there's talk of them looking moving to two bikes for next season, MV Guster, but I think if they lose the on camia it's, it's almost pointless. It's like, would you rather have one outstanding rider or two bang average ones uh, on your bike? Um, which I think is the question that's going to be posed to MV at the moment because um, it's all well and good putting, with the greatest of respect, a Jules Cluzel um, or someone of that ill, a PJ Jacobson, on their bike next year. Um, but are they really going to get the kind of results that Camille is getting at the moment? Probably not because um, Cami has got that level of experience in Superbikes, and he knows that bike so well, that if they can just throw a little bit of development at it and just you know turn that bike into a regular podium contender, allied to some reliability, which always helps, then they've got the right rider on the bike already. And uh, they, I just fear they may be testing Leon's patience a bit too much at the moment, um, given that there are factory seats, particularly at Honda, still available for next year. They're asking for so, it. Uh, yeah, they're almost asking to be dropped. Um, so, uh, so let's hope that MV, um, if they're going to keep Cameo, they get their act together. Uh, one other right <laughs> then that we have to mention before we move on um, to, to the super sports um, is uh, Leandro Mercado, who we mentioned earlier on, because Aprilia didn't have the greatest of weekends with their factory Milwaukee team uh, Eugene Laverty was sixth in race one, albeit a minute behind the dominant winner, uh, Jonathan Ray. And then, of course, crashed and t- took out Jonathan Ray in race two, uh, with Lorenzo Savadori breaking down from fifth on the final lap. Leandro Bacardo took advantage of that to take sixth, um, which allied to his first ever front row start on the Saturday, it all adds up to a pretty
1: solid weekend. Yeah, you can't complain there. You know, again, it's a solid top six finish. I mean, with the team he's got around them, I mean, you're not expecting too much out of him, but again. Really solid for what it's worth. Can't ask for any more than that. A very nice top six. And again, a great front row start as well. They're very brave in those conditions to go out there and really go for it and get on the front row. And the best of the rest outside of Johnny is uh, is an impressive impressive job.
0: Yeah, I owe They're almost a bit of a subjective ridicule <laughs> in, in World Cup Bikes. In motorcycle racing as a whole, given how piss poor their Moto3 program was a few years ago. Um, so they do tend to get mocked a little bit in, in, in motorcycle racing circles. So for Ricardo to pull out the results that he's getting on that bike, uh, with that team, uh, up against the factory, in inverted commas, a prettier team, which, you know, Mikado has beaten on more than one occasion this year. Um, just shows what a good performance that he's putting in. Of course, um, it will go down very well in his home country, of Argentina, which will be hosting a World Superbike round uh, next year. Um, the two race results, then, from World Superbikes. Race one was won by Jonathan Ray by just the 16 seconds from Malandri and Sykes. Uh, with Leon Camier in fourth. Alex Lowe's fifth on the Yamaha, albeit he was 41 seconds off the winner. Uh, with Eugene Laverty a minute back in sixth, just ahead of Mercado in seventh. Uh, David Giuliano, his performance of eighth in race one, deserves mentioning as well. Uh, on the Honda, ahead of Michael Vandermark and Chaz Davies. Vandermark went down on the first lap with Chavi Forres, remounted, still finished ninth. Chaz Davies had those electrical problems which put him in the wrong engine mapping uh, and left him tenth. Ahead of Savadori, Ramos, Rafa De Rosa and Jordi Torres, the BMs hate the wet, um, and Ricardo Russo, who was 15, took the final point. Chaz Davies won race two from the Yamahas of Lowe's and Vandermark, uh, with Chavi Forres in fourth, ahead of Melandri fifth and Ricardo sixth. Tom Sykes only seventh, ahead of Torres, Ramos, and De Rosa with the Hondas of Giuliano and Jake Gagne 11th and 12th um, Alessandro Andriozzi, Anthony West and Ayrton Badovini complete the point scorers um, Jonathan Ray then is an unassailable 120 points clear of Tom Sykes with just 100 left to race for. Um, in the championship, as I mentioned, Jonathan Ray's target now is four wins from the last four to set the new World Superbike points record. Tom Sykes' target is to hold on to second. He's nine points ahead of Chaz Davies in that particular battle with Marco Malandri, a very lonely fourth on 281. That's 46 behind his teammate. Uh, Alex Lowe's is 11 points ahead of his teammate, Michael Van der Mark, in the battle for fifth. Uh, With Cherry Forres just behind them in 7th, Leon Camia 8th, Jordi Torres ninth, and Eugene Laverty completes the top 10. Uh, Right, on to the Supersport classes. And we will start with the Supersport 600s and a championship-defining weekend. Championship not decided uh, in World Supersports, but... um, A weekend trade, unfortunately, leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth uh, in in World Supersport. Um, And and a scenario where no one really wins. Um, Least of all, Keenan Safuoglu, who headed into this one as the championship leader, um, having overcome an injury-ravaged start to the season where he missed the first two rounds, returned in round three and was taken out of that one. Um, So he didn't score a point until round four. Um, Has won every race he's finished, really, this year in World Supersport. And arrives at Magny-Cours and high sides himself into oblivion, and the injury jinx has struck again.
1: Yeah, hip damage. Um, they're saying that Keenan's going to be out for three months, which you know obviously means that he'll be out for the rest of the season, French which is in three places. Oh, like the hip is the hip is an awful injury, one of the worst you can get as a bike racer. Um, it's an awful, awful injury. Um, there's no easy way of fixing a hip, um, no matter which way you slice it. Um, yeah, um, it's essentially gift wrapped the title to Lucas Mahias on this one, and it's a real shame. I mean, like I said on Twitter at the time, nobody wins in something like when these things happen. Keenan Safoglu has, you know, he, he he had he had you know a challenge to basically reel in you know a, a Lucas from a from a free race disadvantage, given he was taken out in in Aragon as well, and he missed the opening two rounds through uh, through injuries and testing. He's, he clawed the gap back, had found a way to lead the championship again, and you know, this is a critical round going into Magny Court, and now he's injured himself again, and Mahias is basically going to win a title of an asterisk next to his name, because we all know Keenan is the king of supersports right now, and as a result, um, Keenan's basically going to miss the best part of half the season, and Lucas is going to win the title basically by default and it's, I feel really bad for Lucas because mm, yeah, yeah he's talented he's fast this and, is his fault yeah of course he can only be any put in front of you at the end of the day and the problem is he's looked second rate compared to Keenan in terms of head-to-head competition and you know he's won the races he can win for the most part and you know as a result now it's 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 brutal um, as a result. And now, as it was, you know, my, my highest wins a title you could argue it might not really deserve, and Keenan, who you know was faster than Lucas in the races he was healthy in you know, has had no chance to win the title because of injury, so it's a lose-lose for everybody, everybody loses and it's just miserable for the fans mm,
0: It is, uh, and yeah, I I totally agree with you I feel sorry for Mahias, but I mean, first of all on Safuoglu, I mean, it was as soon as that happened in Super Bowl, and we saw him just lining in the gravel, clearly in agony I just thought, oh no, it's happened again like, the, yeah. like This this was the scenario we were desperately trying to avoid um, and you know, look, like I said none of this is Mahias's fault, and Injuries have always been a part of motorcycle racing, so uh, uh, Mahias in no way should feel like his own achievement is is being devalued here, because of course this is going to be the biggest achievement of his life. Um, but unfortunately, that is how it's going to be perceived um, uh, as a result of this. And uh, uh, Mahias's weekend in itself had its own problems. I mean, he's riding injured as well, given that he had a he had a crash earlier in the weekend, um, which left him with um, some pretty uh, painful injuries. I mean, Mahias um, went into the race with uh, you know a sore wrist and a sore ankle um after crashes but um he had his own problems dre i mean throughout every dry session that we had all of them seemed to indicate that the man to be in the dry the man with the pace best pace out there was lucas majas um and that uh, he was yeah. probably in dry conditions going to win the race but then he didn't get the chance to show how good he could be in a dry race because his bike failed in superpole which left him 12th on the grid and then because he was so low on the grid, he tripped over riders on the first lap and was 19th after lap one.
1: Exactly. He beat himself up out there, basically. He was riding hurt and then, basically, almost fell off the bike on the opening lap and had to claw his way back up to finishing the top five. It was Lucas really made a dog's dinner of this one, but did eventually get the job done. But I think it could have easily been a lot more... If he had just been able to keep his head screwed on throughout the race, rather than having to spend the first five or six laps getting through the midfield.
0: Yeah, it was almost like in that that race, given how aggressive he was. it almost looked like he was trying to sort of out of sympathy hand it back to Keenan again by sort of hurting himself again, because he he was so aggressive in that in that race. And you know, in, in a vacuum, if you ignore what's happened to Safa that was in, in many ways, I thought, a champion's ride from Mahias in in that race. In that. You know, he was, I mean, on that first lap, he was He was almost trying to go full Johnny Ray, given where he was on the grid. He was trying to slice his way through and get to the front, um, which yeah. involved nearly running up the back of Michael Canducci twice um, on that first lap. Canducci, who ironically is one of Keenan Safoglu's two teammates. <laughs> Um, which uh, which was the the irony of that that um, Mahias nearly tripped over him twice on the first lap um, through no fault of Canducci's. It was just Mahias being aggressive, um, but to come from nineteenth on the end of lap one to fourth was an outstanding piece of riding. And as I say, in any time he had empty tarmac ahead of him, Mahias was the fastest man on track. Um, but obviously with Keenan out of play and with Mahias so far down on the field, again it's going to be perceived, Dre, as Mahias could only manage fourth and has taken the championship lead because Keenan wasn't out there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's the best Lucas can hope for now. It's just, you know, just hopefully people forget about this and he just yeah. gets his head down and shows his class. Yeah, really. I,
0: I really hope he turns up at a ref next weekend and just goes out and wins the thing.
1: Yeah, I, that would be that would be just the, the, the best case scenario, really, for everybody involved because I, I, I'd rather have that than you know him limping to the title via mediocre performances that's just going to reinforce the narrative that Keenan was better this year mm. I don't oh, want man. that so again I can only hope that they find you know, that Lucas goes over there and balls it so we don't have this problem mm.
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely because it, what we do have now is the potential for a rather bizarre um, championship scenario over the last two rounds just to set the scene um Mahayas leads to Foglu now by nine points um which almost needs discounting because we won't see Sifoglu again this season. He actually leads Sheridan Marias, who's third in the championship, by 32 points. And he leads Jules Cluzel, who's fourth, by 39 points. Those are the only other riders who can catch Mahias in the championship. Now, if Lucas Mahias beats uh, Sheridan Marias and Jules Cluzel on the road at Jerez next time out, he is essentially the champion because neither of those two can catch him. Um, but, oh. it, but, But... But... Here's what's daft about it, is that if Lucas Myas is not in the top two next time out at, at Jerez, mathematically, Safuoglu could still catch him, even though we're not going to see him again all season. Safuoglu would be within. If, if Maiaz is third, for instance, at Jerez, he would be 25 points ahead of Safuoglu. But Safuoglu would have the tiebreak of having won more races this year. So in theory, if a one-legged man could turn up to the ass-kicking contest in Qatar at the end of the season and win the race, Safuoglu could still win the championship. But of course, that's not going to happen. So, what I what I what I'm desperate. That is why I'm so desperate, Dre, for my highest to go and win at Jerez. because if he doesn't, if he doesn't finish top two, he's essentially going to win the championship, but not mathematically win it.
1: It's just going to be confusing for everybody. Yeah, he can still be beaten by a guy that can't race. Yeah, yeah, that's, that that, race. That, yeah. That's that. That's so stupid. I don't. I like. I'm not here for this, you know. Like, I, like. Just have Lucas win at her ass and just end it, please. Like this does, this does not need to be dragged on any longer than necessary. Yeah, because
0: we're all going to know that Lucas is the champion, but yet World Superbikes can't announce him as the champion because he mathematically isn't the champion. It's just, yeah, this is this is what we mean when we say that no one wins from this, um, given what's happened to Keenan, because even Lucas, who's likely to win the championship, and a tremendous achievement by anyone's standards to win a World Sport title. We look at the riders that have won that in recent years, like Keenan, uh, like Vandermark, like Sam Lowe's, um, like Cal Crutchlow and Eugene Laverty have been premier riders in this cl- class of racing. Um, Mahayas can join those names this year um, and it's unless he can just go out there at Haretta and just smoke the field. Um, it's going to be tainted unfortunately uh, for better or for worse. Um, we we should mention as well in amongst all the championship um, permutations the man who won the race um, at Magni court from his first ever pole position, first ever victory for the Finn, Nikki Tuli um, who Came on the scene this time last year in World Super Sport with some podium finishes as a wild card, and we all thought, "Hang on, who's this finished kid?" Um, had a podium in extraordinary circumstances at Thailand in the season, and then went rather quiet. But um, a great result for two, the and for World Super Sport, the fifth brand new winner in the class this year.
1: Exactly, that's 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 awesome um Yeah, that's that's, a, that's actually that's a really impressive. The think too again, as you say, was was super good as a wild card came in immediately got podiums, had our eye on him as a talent, and it's starting to come through. I mean, again, more a couple of you know, good rides this season, but you know, first win, obviously, major milestone was in a great fight with Caracassulo pretty much the entire race, him and marais for a good two thirds of that one as well. So yeah, really impressive stuff. Um, from Thule there, and again, hopefully the first of many, because that Yamaha can go some. (sighs) Yeah,
0: I mean, it wasn't perhaps the result in the end that the team um, we're looking for, I think, the wrong rider won in my guess, respects for the, uh, the Cali race. Teams. Of course, they still had Sheridan Marias who was, in many ways, a championship contender once uh, Suffolk, of course, was taken out of it. Um, and, you know, had Marias won that race, he would have suddenly been right with Mahais, um in the World Championship standings. But, of course, given that he fell down the field to eighth in the end, he was taken, well, he lost three spots on the final lap um and fell down to eighth with um Mahias up in fourth um Sheridan a South African is pretty much out of contention now uh, in the world championship but as I mentioned the fifth brand new winner um in this class this season joining um Robbie Rolfo of course won in Phillip Island Caracasulo who won in Thailand uh Mahias, who of course won um at Aragon and Sheridan Marias uh, his teammate who won the stopped race at the Lousy's Ring so uh Just it reinforces, Dre, how unpredictable this season has been. Either Keenan's
1: won or someone brand new has won. Exactly, it's it's, it's nuts. Um, again, the good to see the class is staying competitive for sure. Um, it's it's great to see that, and again, hopefully, again a good sign that you know the class is a bit more rounded. You know, apart from Keenan winning everything. Mm, yeah, you know. the
0: uh, the championship so. then as it looks then. Well, first of all, the result from uh, last time at a man first time winner in Nikki Tuli for Finland, um, beating Federico Caracasulo, teammate to Mahias, of course, by point eight of a second. Uh, PJ Jacobson taking his first podium of the season uh, on the MV Agusta. Remember how long ago it was when he was dominating preseason testing um, and looking like a championship threat. Uh, His first podium of the year in third, ahead of Mahias in fourth. Jules Clazel in fifth, um, ahead of Lorenzo Zanetti sixth. uh, Michael Canducci. Um, who is now essentially leading the Pacetti team in 7th, um, ahead of Marias, Kyle Smith, and Luke Stapleford in 10th place on the triumph, um, with the rest of the points rounded out by Akubo, Bergman, Soma, who was the first of the ESS runners, um, Alex Baldolini, and Christian Gamarino, uh, who took the last point in 15th position. Championship standings then. As I mentioned a moment ago, Lucas Maia leads Safuaglu by nine points, but to all intents and purposes, he has a 32-point lead over Sheridan Marias with two races to go. Uh, Jules Klozel is a further seven points back in fourth. PJ Jacobson is now fifth ahead of Caracasulo in sixth. Thule is up to seventh after his win, uh, with Carl Smith dropping to eighth. Luke Stapleford is ninth on the triumph, and Anthony West, who, of course, is now riding in the Superbike class, is in 10th place. Robbie Rolfo drops out of the top ten now. Unfortunately, he's down to 11th, although he did return to the class last week as a uh, replacement rider in one of the uh, lower Honda teams in the class. Um, So he is back on board, a World Superspike machine, but unfortunately, he's down to 11th in the points. Um, Now, finally, the Supersport 300 class, um, which I think Dre continues to come on leaps and bounds. Another thrilling race in the lightweight class this weekend, including an eight-rider fight for the victory.
1: As you do, um, yeah, another bonkers Super Sport 300 race again. Like it is, watching basically Moto 3 half the time. Everybody's everywhere, four wide into hints of the hairpins. Everyone looking for alternative lines and trying to find a way around. Crazy, crazy stuff. Great finish at the end and a dab because of course. Mm. Yeah, mm. another another
0: circuit I think, which again just suits these bikes down to the ground. Given how how flowing it is, so many fast corners, so many opportunities as you say to take different lines. Um, and so many opportunities to overtake and um, it, it's become noticeable to me um, as the season's gone on how these two riders have distanced themselves from the field in the championship and I don't know about you Jay but you can almost notice it in the race the race craft of Garcia and Coppola um, the two championship front runners. Garcia who just almost like the Lewis Salom tactic of Moto3 a few years ago with you know getting involved in a race in a, in a multi-rider fight for the win and then with a lap to go just pulled the pin. Um, and dropped them and Coppola showing his racecraft dropping as low as well first of all he had to come from 10th on the grid and a number of times would drop back down into the group but would still fight his way back to the front and just showing these two with their racecraft they've distanced themselves and they've shown themselves to be the class of the field this year
1: absolutely um those those two have been the standout names in, in in this class this year they have they have absolutely, um, you know, they, they crush it right now. Like, they have they have the, the distinct way of getting to the front and staying there. And those two have been the standout names. I'd say at least in the second half of the season, maybe he had a bit of Scott DeRue at the start. But I think he's he's fallen off a little bit. But these guys have, have come to the forefold and they're doing a great job. Yeah, they
0: have. And uh, as, as Dre mentioned, uh, he was he was very keen on the dab over the line um, yes. from Mark Garcia. It was, there was a bit of angriness to that dab as well. Um, the way uh, way he he did it over the line. And, yeah, I mean, that's one way to celebrate a race victory. A key race victory as well, um, which has given him the lead in the championship. Garcia, the winner um, in that race, ahead of um, his main championship rival, Alfonso Coppola, um, in second place, um, which gives him a four-point lead in the championship. The final podium spot was taken by the Dutchman, Robert Schottmann, who is the teammate uh, incidentally, of uh, Coppola um, in third place. Coppola, incidentally, has now uh, earned himself a spot on the World Supersport grid next year with that because there has been a inter-Yamaha battle this year called the uh, the Blue Crew Challenge um, amongst the officially Yamaha-supported riders, um, of which uh, Coppola is the highest of them in the championship and has earned himself a European ride with the uh, a Yamaha-backed team in Supersport next year, which means that he will basically be riding the European rounds of the World Supersport Championship um, next season. Um, which uh, is is a, a result of no, really, for Coppola. It means he's guaranteed a spot um, in a higher class next season. But as I mentioned, he was second in that race, ahead of his teammate Shopman, with Mika Perez in fourth, Danny Valle fifth, uh, and Paolo Gracia who qualified on the front row sixth. Borja Sanchez, seventh ahead of FACO. Scott DeRue, the early championship leader, ninth. He's now out of the running uh, with Enzo De La Vega, another of the officially backed Yamaha riders, in tenth. Shout out for one other rider who's nowhere to be seen in that result, and that's Alan Mule. Um, who's a um, rider that none of you and none of us, even me or Dre, would have ever heard of going into this weekend. But he uh, was making his debut as a wild card in the Supersport 300 class. And because it was pissing it with rain on Saturday, he went and put it on pole position, as you do, um, for, his, for, his, for his debut race in the World Championship. But He quickly got swallowed up on the first lap and then crashed halfway around it. Um, so uh, his dream quickly turned to a nightmare. Um, but shout out for him for a cracking uh, debut outing um, on the World Championship scene. Uh, championship standings then with one race to go. Garcia leads Coppola by four points. It's essentially a winner-takes-all battle between the two uh, in the final round. Mika Perez is now out of the running in third. He's on 96 points ahead of Scott Duro on 91. Um, they're both over a race win behind the top two, so cannot win the championship in the final round. Borda Sanchez is fifth ahead of Danny Valle sixth. Uh, Robert Shotman seventh. Doran Larrero, the South African, is eighth. Ana Carrasco, winner last time out in Portimao, ninth. Uh, and Armando Potoni, another of the Italians, in 10th. Yes, as I mentioned, final round for the World Swap Three Hundreds is next time out um, at ah, right, Jerez because they don't go to Qatar, um, which means that it is a winner-take-all. Whoever wins the race out of Garcia and Coppola will win the championship. Garcia, though, does have the tiebreaker of having won more races this year. He's won two races to Coppola's one, which means that anything other than a win for Coppola means that he will have to be two spots clear of Garcia to win the championship. A second would not be enough with uh, Garcia, third, because Garcia would win it on countback. So that is what is to come next time out at Harareth. Um We'll also have the championship decider in Stock 1000 as well next time out. Uh, They don't go to Qatar either, and we'll have a three-way championship fight because Jeremy Guarnoni, the former champion, uh, won his home race ahead of Florian Marino and Federico Sandi, um, with the reigning champion Michael Ruben-Rinaldi only finishing in 10th, missing a golden opportunity to win the championship because completing a nightmare weekend for the Turks, uh, Toprak Razgatioglu also missed the race through injury, much like his uh, mentor, Kinnitofoglu, because he dislocated his shoulder in free practice. Um, So Toprak missed the race as well. Um, which looked like it was going to ruin his championship hopes. But with Rinaldi only finishing 10th, we now have a three-way title fight going into the final round with Rinaldi on 128 points, Marino on 120, and Toprak and Raskatioglu on 114. 14 off the lead. Um, so the three of those will go to Jerez to dispute the super stock 1,000 championship. Um, Rinaldi on a Ducati, Marino on a Yamaha, and Toprak and on a Kawasaki. One of those three will become the stock 1,000 champion at Jerez next time out the next round which is in a couple of weeks time Right now, let's turn our attention to BSB and head to Assen for uh, the penultimate round of the championship and the second of the three showdown rounds um, in this week in this season's British Superbike Championship. Another weekend which proved, um, as every weekend that goes to Assen proves, that you can't have a bad race around Assen, really, because um, it was too thrilling British Superbike races. I mean, to be fair, Dre, that first race um, can make an argument to be being the British Superbike race of the year.
1: That was an incredible yeah, incredible weekend of race, and race one in particular was, was stunning stuff. The, the leading group of five, um, and again, f- f- a five-way dogfight between five different teams, and you know five of the best BSB riders out, out there right now. Um, yeah, yeah, f- fantastic, fantastic fight. And, I mean a great racing all the way through. It's hard to break free at Aston. We only got it right at the end um, when Haslam broke free at the end of race one. But just absolutely sensational stuff. Um, a-, a great, great race indeed.
0: Yeah, and what ended up maybe becoming a key factor, a key moment in the championship, and a key moment in race one, it didn't actually take place in race one. It took place 24 hours before that um, because Dre... I think what may go down to be a pivotal moment in this championship was what happened in qualifying at Assen, um, where amazingly, in the wet conditions of Saturday, only one showdown contender made it through to Q3. And crucially, that one man was Haslam.
1: Indeed, and that that might have been the difference here, that Haslam was basically given an enormous head start with everybody else uh, making mistakes in the changeable conditions qualifying session that we had the day before, um, as I'm getting on the front row just behind Edison, while you know, major showdown rival, Shaky Byrne, crashed twice in Q2 to uh, basically put himself at 16th on the grid. It was a disaster for Shaky, and everybody else, he, he just, just just couldn't get a lap together.
0: Mm, yeah, because Shaky Byrne, to his immense credit, did make up the ground uh, in race one and got himself into that leading group, but um, as you mentioned, Dre, it was kind of all too late, because so he managed to get himself up to the leading group, but then... Haslem, by the time Drake, uh, by the time uh, Shaky got there, just had a little bit left in the tank, didn't he? And was able to go again and break it
1: mm-hmm. Exactly, and yeah, it's like by the time it all, it all shook out in the end, Shaky had ran out of time, and Haslem had gone because everybody else was infighting each other. So yeah. Like, again, like it, it be, Haslam having the luxury of being able to run comfortably was certainly the difference maker in race one compared to Shaky, who had to set fastest laps and you know be more aggressive to chase on. Probably had no tire left by the time he got up to the front.
0: Mm, yeah, and it, it, this is it's immense credit to Haslam, and it just shows that It's another feature of the format, and that there's it's such a reset by the time we start this showdown. and We started it all part because yeah. it's almost as if though that that tricky summer. Never happened for Haslam because it—he had that long run of, of rounds where he didn't win a race um, from Alton Park all the way up to Cadwell when he finally <laughs> won a race there. Um, and it's almost as if that never happened now because once the showdown started, he's been the absolute class of the field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, uh, it's amazing that he's been able to basically just like, like he, like I remember Haslam saying right that he wanted to reset before the showdown came in because he had a bad run of form going into it, limped his way in. Mm. Had not looked particularly strong Didn't at, score Silver's, a
0: point at Silverstone.
1: But, yeah, in three races there, did not score a point. So you felt like he felt like he had to reset for um for the showdown, and he has done that with incredible effect. He's he's finished all four races since um on the podium, and had two wins to his name, and no one else is at that level of consistency since the showdown began. So. Haslam's gone from a dire run of form To having one hand on the title
0: mm, Yeah it's incredible He has a 32 point lead Heading into the final weekend of racing Because there are three races um, At Brands Hatch around the GP circuit uh, Next weekend um, So it's it's not won yet But he certainly has one hand on it And uh, in the end Key mistakes I suppose Really made the difference um, Particularly for shaky burn Drakes Of course he had the two crashes uh, In qualifying Which left him with such an uphill task uh, in race one, and then had himself in a winning position in race two, and then a key error down at turn one when Haslam came past him that really put paid to
1: his chances in that race as well. Absolutely, again, like Haslam, like got, we lost control. We went went a little bit too hard in race two. um You know, again, like, if, like you got up to the first corner, he was never going to make the apex. He was never going to make the corner went off wide and then shaky got collected in that a little bit and he ran wide as well and he dropped down to fifth and he was out of it completely has was able to claw his way back up, back up to third and shaky again was like just 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 did not make the most of a bad situation there and finished in fifth and just uh and ended up losing more points in a race that he was, was like he was going to win for a second there yeah
0: it's very unshaky like isn't it because i mean obviously he's the reigning champion as it is anyway but he's He's never really struck me as a mistakes guy. He's, he's always the sort of guy you, you can always rely on to, to get the results in. And it, it's weird the way the showdown has panned out, where shaky has made key errors.
1: Yeah, he's made critical errors at bad times, and that's what's ultimately cost him big. Um and yeah, every time he seems to have had, you know, take control of the championship again, something else comes up. That's, that's, that's basically been another setback, and that'll be the story of Shaky's twenty seventeen season—one where he was never able to be truly consistent throughout the season, and ended up costing him big time. Yeah,
0: and again, it just again shows how the season just reset when the showdown rolls. along. because Shaky led it into the showdown. Um, once the points are reset, Shaky was the championship leader, um, and it's been error after error since then not all of them shake his errors has to be said because he had the anti-fog problem on his helmet um in the first yep. race at, at Alton Park which cost him so dearly um, which left him without really much of a chance in that one um didn't really figure too highly in race two at Alton either and then as I say a mistaken qualifying which left him with without much of a shot in race one at, at Assen and then um a key error down at turn one which left him down in fifth in that second race and it's dropped into third in the points and Josh Brooks um, is now the nearest challenger to to Leon Haslam and um, to his credit he it was a key move right at the end of that second race where which saw him snatch second place in the end from Leon Haslam um to take at least some points back uh, from the JG speed Kawasaki member but I don't know about you I just don't get the sense that Josh Brooks has a triple in him But uh, brand touched to really make that I don't up. Think so
1: no I don't think so either I think I think Shaky and Brooks are probably going to be the two most comfortable guys going into Brad's hatch, given what we saw earlier in the season. But I think they're both equally very fast around there, and they could easily take wins off each other, which is good news for Haslam, because as long as one guy doesn't triple header up, I think Haslam should be okay. Mm.
0: And even if, even if one of those two does triple um, next weekend, um, Brooks, the best Brooks can expect to get to is 655. Uh, on points so that means haslam needs a minimum of four or maximum should i say of 43 points across three races um so three podiums does it um for haslam um to win the championship whatever brooks or burn does um next weekend so it is most certainly in leon haslam's hands um next weekend um and at the very most we are now down to three championship contenders at brand's hatch next weekend because uh Unfortunately, Dre, without really having a bad weekend as such, uh, Jake Dixon's hopes have now gone.
1: Yeah, Dixon just wasn't able to run with that leading group of five in, in races one and two. And again, it's a shame, really, that, that, you know, this is the, the end of, of what still has been an incredible season for Jake Dixon by any measure. Um, he's been sensational pretty much all season long. Uh, just a shame that the bike wasn't quite there for, for us in this time round. And, you know, he'll only get better in time. But he'll, he'll still, I think, sit, home, sit at home thinking this was a tremendous season to make the show down and could still finish, you know, maybe he in could, the top he four. He
0: could still finish as championship runner-up this season, yeah, Jake Dixon. He's, he's 22.5. Points behind Josh Brooks in second, 21 behind Byrne in third. Um, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Jake Dixon, Jake Dixon could still end the season as the runner up in the championship to Leon Haslam, um, which would be some achievement for him, not just for him as a 21 year old rookie essentially, but also for that team, which is an independent, privately run team um, in the British Superbike Championship up against the the big hitters of JG Speedfit and of BY's Adjikazi, yeah. um and McCam's Yamaha, these, these incredible teams um that that they're going up against and and holding their own against this season um peter hickman and jason Halloran also out of contention now Halloran had his worst weekend of the season really um 10th in race one 13th in race two um that honda not really working around assen um which is a surprise given how well it's how much it's improved as the season has gone on Uh, peter hickman again solid weekend seventh and sixth for him but in the context of the showdown um nowhere near enough um We'd be remiss, though, not to mention uh, the man who uh, lit up race two, the uh, winner of race two, um, and a moment that Dre has been waiting for since this move was announced to Bennett Suzuki. Salman Gitoli Dre, is a race winner again.
1: Dab, 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 <laughs> dab. Yes, Gintas, yes. Yes. This is glorious. Um, yeah, I mean, it proved it was no fluke, really, in race one, even given he was in that leading group in that one and two, and then he just missed out on a podium in that one. Without the but, red flag,
0: uh, he might have won at Silverstone.
1: Exactly as well. That was another one where, like, it's it's been no fluke seeing that Suzuki come through. I mean, Bradley race. Um, uptick in form as well in re- in the in the last three rounds. Um Suzuki, today, I mean I mean I heard talk from um, James Whitton that they have got a new swing arm in um from the factory boys at Suzuki. So I mean, it's no coincidence that Suzuki has found a little something here and and, and it's no coincidence that the Ginters and both Bradley Ray on, on those new twenty seventeen bikes have found the way to get to the front and have looked very strong indeed.
0: Yeah, and Gintoli also mentioned the fact that he just felt much more comfortable around the sort of wider Grand Prix tracks of Silverstone and Aston, um, as opposed to the uh, more uh, traditional British circuits, if you like, of, of Cadwell Park and, and and such like, which don't necessarily suit Sylvan's style as much. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely finding himself more at home. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, Gintoli, who's... Come under a bit of criticism earlier in the season for not quite um, pulling his weight at Suzuki. As you mentioned, Bradley Ray has often been ahead of him in that team. Um, but I guess this weekend just proved that, as much as form is temporary, class is still permanent and there is still a world champion in there. And he, and he rode like a world champion on, on Sunday to um, basically outmaneuver and outfight the likes of Haslam, Burton, Ellison um and brooks who were basically knocking spots off each other in that second race and um it was sylvan who made that crucial break with two to
1: go exactly found the extra bit of pace got away um in race two and never really looked back on this one um yeah it was excellent out there um yeah, just, just tactically was, was on the nose, let everybody else fight each other, take the front and, and pull away and, you know, couldn't couldn't quite bear down the rest of the field in time when, once they realised, wait, he's getting away. Yeah. Um, and But at that point, it was already over. Yeah,
0: Gintoli, who, um, as we mentioned uh, on previous editions of this show, is likely to be heading back into the World Superbike Paddock next year um, with the Pachetti team. That's not official yet, but it is likely to be announced very, very soon um it's been a good news weekend though for suzuki because um another of their riders impressed um last weekend dre mentioned him a moment ago um in that first race and it was noticeable to me dre in that first race in that six-way fight up the front that six-man group it, we in that group we had leon hasland um who's won world superbike races and is likely to be this year's british champion shaky Byrne, who is the most successful british superbike rider ever james ellison who's a MotoGP rider. Uh, Sullivan can tell you a world champion Josh Brooks who's a British champion and racing with them and holding his own was 20 year old Bradley Ray Um, and to be holding that kind of company in his debut season as a rookie at the age of 20 just again illustrates just how good this kid is and how good he's going to be
1: absolutely I mean he's a future star in this in this sport he's but the, the, the bikers has come through Bradley has shown his class and again right in there in the leading group again this time round had an outside chance of a podium couldn't quite hold it together in the end but again Suzuki's come a long way Bradley is going from strength to strength he could be one to watch for a potential showdown spot next year if Suzuki keep making forward progress I think he's been very impressive Yeah, and
0: what was noticeable um, from MCN this week is because they were talking about the, the spots on next year's grid that have been filled because we're going to mention one of them later on that's been filled at Tyco BMW for next year um, but but uh, the, uh, the team boss of the Suzuki squad, Stuart Hicken, has been very, very keen to point out that he has a contract with Bradley Ray, a two-year contract, which, of course, he's in the first year at the moment, which means that Bradley Ray is locked in with that Suzuki team for next season. And I think um, both uh, he and the other teams up and down the paddock will be checking the small print of that contract very carefully to see if there's a way out of it.
1: Yes. <laughs> the, way, the way it's going right now, they, they'll, be, they'll be using all the brake clauses that are in there. Yeah, he is all a rider of them. <laughs>
0: in demand uh, for the future because he is going places uh, in British Superbikes. Uh, one round to go then, three races to go at Brandtach, and here is how the championship will look uh, heading in. First of all, let's give you the results from Atten. Haslam, the winner in race one from Shaky Burn. Uh, and James Ellison. Uh, Sylvain Gintoli fourth, ahead of Josh Brooks and Bradley Ray, with Pete Aikman seventh, ahead of Jake Dixon, John Hopkins on the Moto Rapido, Ducati Panagali, and Jason Halloran on the first of the Hondas. Um, race two then went to Sylvain Gintoli, ahead of Brooks and Haslam, uh, with James Ellison fourth and shaky Byrne fifth, Pete Aikman sixth, um, ahead of Jake Dixon, Christian Iden, uh, Dan Limfoot, and Brad Ray in 10th position. The championship then is led by Haslam. He has a 32-point lead over Brooks, 33 over Byrne, it's between those three, really, for the uh, championship at Brands. next time out. Jake Dixon's fourth, 21 points behind Shaky Byrne in fourth, with Pete in fifth and Jason O'Halloran sixth. Christian Eden leads the BSB Riders' Cup. Uh, he leads the chase for the paperweight by two points from James ellison um, who we should mention um, Ellison, who um, may well earn himself that consolation prize of the Riders' Cup by virtue of just finally getting his and the team's act together late in the season and converting that main pace into results. Um, but it was noticeable already from last weekend at Brands how Ellison almost
1: took it upon himself to play the role of showdown spoiler. Yeah, he was trying to the night on the podium run and I was like, James, you're fooling no one here, mate. Like, Shaky was laughing in the background when he was like, yeah, trying not to get involved in the fight and I'm like, liar. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you trying to kid here, James? Um, no, but yeah, absolutely right. I mean, we... I mean, we all know that that the series likes to market potential showdown spoilers. Guys that are in the title race but will still be competitive. And Ellison was probably the the biggest name I had circled on the on the spoiler list because if Ellison gets his head together and the bike's working well, he can win any given race on paper. And he was right in the mix again this time around more than anyone else. In had a pretty bad weekend by his standards. Um, And yeah, like Ellison was the guy this time around, and he was he was excellent out there both races.
0: He was an excellent weekend for him, a third and a fourth for him. Um, and to round off on BSB I mean yeah, we're not going to review the season just yet because we've still got a round to go but um, another season where British Superbikes has just shown how open and how competitive it is because we shouldn't ignore the fact that Salman Gattoli with his victory became count them up the 10th different winner in British Superbikes this season yeah. 10 different winners
1: 10 it's it's bonkers you know guys, we, we, it's easy to forget we've had guys like Glenn Irwin win races as well this season He's been very, very good pretty much all season long. And again, it, it, it's, it's just great to see the series continue to be competitive. He's doing a fantastic job uh, right now. Everyone, everyone out here is, is, is looking impressive. There's eight or nine guys that can win any given Grand Prix on bet, on paper right now. It's, it's, it's fantastic for the series and a great advert going forward about uh, how open it is right now. And that's... That is when the showdown format works.
0: Yeah, Leon Haslam, Josh Brooks, Shaky Byrne, Jake Dixon, Peter Hickman, James Ellison, Luke Mossy, Dan Linfoot, Glenn Irwin, and silvan Gattoli, uh, your 10 winners um, from the season. And that ignores the, the riders who've had podiums like showdown contender Jason Halloran, like Christian Iden, Um, who've had podium positions this season and could have won races um, if circumstances had gone their way. It's been a brilliant British Superbike season and we have just one round to go. The three, uh, three races, the triple header, the championship finale around the GP circuit of Brands Hatch in a week's time. The news uh, before we go, and Christian Iden is staying put for next season. We mentioned the British Superbike grid for 2018 is taking shape, and Christian Iden um, will be staying with the Tyco BMW team for 2018. And uh, no question in our minds, Trey, that Christian Iden deserves that extension because this is another rider, much like Luke Mossy, who we discussed last week, uh, will feel he has unfinished business next season. Who will feel he perhaps would have been in the showdown had injury
1: not struck. Yeah, I think the breakout season that, 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 not, that no one's talked about has been in this year. And I think he would have made the showdown if it wasn't for injury this year. He, he's been great on that BMW, a, a consistent top five runner pretty much all year long. And I, I'm glad that Tyco BMW has rewarded him with another contract because I think he's been more than deserving of that. He's been excellent this season and I look forward to seeing him next year. If he can take another step and maybe think about challenging for wins and getting into that showdown. Mm.
0: Well, super sport news for you and um, two pieces of news. One that we didn't have a chance to fit into the uh, into the running order, but news that did break uh, in recent days. Carl Ride, unfortunately, has left the Kawasaki Puccetti team um, for the remaining two rounds of the season. Of course, the team that has just lost and Savaglione for injury for the rest of the year also lost Carl Ride. Carl um, Ride, whose fortunes really took a nosedive once Savaglione returned. <laughs> Um, funny how that works out once uh, the focus diverted back to their lead rider Cal Rides suddenly um, dropped back down the field but he will not be riding for that team for the rest of the season of course Kyle Ride, who is managed by the World Superbike Champion Jonathan Ray so hopefully um, he can find him a ride on the grid for next season because he did show in the early rounds of the season just what he is capable of um, in this class um, the other piece of news surrounds Jules Cluzel who's on the move for next season joining a new team um, that is based out in the United Arab Emirates um, a team that has a brilliant name uh, for next season, um, if only we need, we need Gallows and Anderson to uh, announce the team because Dre Cluzel is joining the say it with me,
1: nerds. nerds. Yeah, I got I got the Homer Simpson line from when he goes back to college here. He just goes, he just and goes, nerds. <laughs> Racing team, it's a fan, it's a fantastic name, and I hope Cluzel wins the title now.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If a team um, wins championships on team names alone. Um, then then that is it. Uh, the Nerds Racing Team, um, we'll tell you a bit about them, um, that Cluzel's going to join. I mean, Cluzel, for instance, is is a great pick for a new team um, in the World Supersport Championship of course. He is a uh, former runner-up in the championship. Uh, based in the United Arab Emirates, as I mentioned, Cluzel um, will be joining that team. Um, and they are going to be running, um, it doesn't actually say in this which bikes they're going to be running yet. Um, so that will be interesting to see whether they run Kawasaki's, which of course are the class leader this year, whether they perhaps pick up a Yamaha um, that Mahias has been running with great success or whether Cluzel, who is familiar with Envy uh, Augustas, um, even though he's ridden a Honda this year, he spent most of his career on an Envy Augusta uh, in World Supersport um, which bike the Nerds Racing team run for next season um, but the uh, their team boss, Vafi Khan, has um, gone out on record to say that their aim is to win the championship um, next season uh, with Cluzel and I'm put it this way, if you're signing a rider like Cluzel you've, surely your aim is the championship because he is a championship level rider in that class um, so um, yeah we'll follow them with interest next season the uh, Super Sport uh, grid is taking shape of course because last week we announced that Mahias and Karakasulo are staying with the GRT Yamaha team and of course foglu is staying um, with Kawasaki Pacetti and will have um, unfinished business on his mind next year given the injuries that have affected his 2017 challenge um, World Superbike news this doesn't affect World Super sports because they don't go to this venue but World Superbikes will be going to Laguna at Seca next year uh, because they have announced the contract extension for 2018 um, which is important because as you mentioned, Daniel André, of course, Kawasaki are running adverts uh, in America with Jonathan Ray on the front of them. Um, yep. So they kind of near the United States round, um, even if uh, in recent years um, Laguna Seca perhaps has lost a bit of its magic as um, the round it used to be. Because uh, what how's how's the best way of saying this? Recent rounds in Laguna Seca haven't been stellar.
1: Yeah, it was last year's as was what was the straw that broke the camel's back, and people were saying why is World so boring, even though. You know, it, I don't think it had been boring to that point. I think people had just expected Laguna Seca to be class. It wasn't, and then they decided to shit on the series from a great height. Because mm, Laguna's uh, not an overtaking track. Yes, because Laguna Seca has never been a passing circuit, and it never will be. But, you know, narrative. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy Laguna is back. It's a good circuit. Um, it's, it's a good marquee sort of track to have on a calendar. It's good for Kawasaki as well, as I mentioned who are trying very hard to break the American market. Um, so it's good for the series in that, in that sense. Not the most captivating round in the world to watch, but um, I, I hope 2018 bucks to trend a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
0: fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I mean, what's going to be slightly sad, of course, is that uh, as it stands at the moment, there won't be an American on the grid um, for the World Superbike round in America next year. Let's hope that changes between now and next July when we expect that round um, to take place. Um, Kawasaki, instantly, have this week launched their 2018 ZX10RR machine, which looks uh, pornographic um, from the images of yeah. it on the World, Super- world Superbike website. Not work. Nope, so <laughs> uh, yeah, head to worldsuperbike.com if you want to watch that. I want to see images of it. It is a beautiful piece of machinery um, which will be running next year. Um, news surrounding their competitors, though, um, Ducati, who um, have announced a piece of news this week which really shocked us, shocked the world of World Superbikes. Um, the news that Ernesto Marinelli their superbike project leader is leaving the team um, Dre, Ernesto Marinelli has been the project leader of the Ducati superbike operation since 1995 um, it, yeah. this, is, this is a guy who has overseen some of the golden years for Ducati and superbikes including Neil Hodgson's title James Toseland's title Troy Bayliss his two titles on Ducati in 2006 and 2008, and Carlos Checker in 2011. All won titles with Ernesto Marinelli at the helm of this team. It's kind of an end of an era for this team.
1: It is the end of an era for that team. He's been he's been part of Ducati for 25 years, a generation uh, of time as Ducati superbike leader and you know an, an iconic name, of, uh, an iconic part of the brand. And he's moving on to pastures new. So that's good. That's a real shame for the series. A real shame for Ducati. Who. Yeah, you know, has been spearheaded through him in recent times. Yeah, it
0: will be, and uh, yeah, a new a new era for Ducati in many ways. Of course, they'll be moving uh, to the V4 in, in future as well. Um, a departure from their bike at the moment. So uh, yeah, time is changing um, at Ducati, and it was noticeable that they uh, they sent Ernesto Marinelli up on the podium at magny Core to uh, accept the uh, the team's award uh, for winning race two as uh, almost as a sort of a parting gift to Marinelli um, for his twenty two years of service to uh, that factory. Um, which is coming to an end at the end of this year. Um, new surrounding Moto3 and uh, Mikhail Yuchenko is going to be a new name onto the grid and a new nationality, the first Kazakh rider um, into the uh, Grand Prix World Championship for next season. Mikhail Yuchenko, who's impressed in the CEV this year. He won a race earlier in the year um, back at uh, Albacete right at the start of the season. He will be joining the CIP team uh, for 2018, which has uh, been running Mahindra's with uh, the two Italians, Pagliani, um, and Bezeki this season. They will be wearing KTMs next year uh, with Machenko on board. So keep an eye on him next season. He's a new name to look out for. Um, more news, though, surrounding the next MotoGP round, which, of course, is a week from now uh, at Motegi, the first of the three Asia-Pacific rounds of the season, and um, a rider who will not be there um, because uh, when Valentino Rossi injured himself a couple of, uh, well, about a month ago, uh, and then returned with such success at Aragon, Cal Crutchlow famously said that it's going to lead to a trend of riders breaking their legs and then coming back as a faster rider. And, Dre, it seems that Cal's best mate, Jack Miller, was listening.
1: Jack, what are you doing? That was not a good idea. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, Gosh, I I, I don't think that was a clever idea, Jack. Um, Another low-speed enduro bike accident Whoops, um, to say the least. Um, a shame for Jack. Um, again, he's probably going to miss his home round as a result of this now. Um, and you know, the Australians turn out in force for Valentino and for Jack Miller, which is a real shame for them. And um, again, wish Jack a speedy recovery. Yeah, no pressure, good. mate. Maybe back in three weeks. Yeah,
0: he's going uh. to need Valentino's powers of recovery, isn't he, to be back um, for his home round uh, at <laughs> Phillip Island. Uh, someone will be searching for Mike Jones' his phone number again uh, and, yep. and bringing him back out for another wild card appearance at Phillip Island if he uh, if he's not fit. Um, in the meantime uh, still this year Mark VDS need a hero and they found one Hiroshi Ayama um, who's going to replace Jack Miller at the Mark VDS team for what will be his home Grand Prix of course um, the Honda Test Rider and um next time out and um, unfortunately Dre that's a week away from now which pre- presents us with an obvious problem for next week which we don't have a solution to at the moment there is an awful lot to talk about on next week's show um, the Speedway GP are in action this weekend um, Jason Doyle set to clinch the title um, of course with Rebecca James in Australia at the moment we won't have her to tell you all about that we will tell you what happened but of course uh, Dre and I will uh, struggle to fill two hours discussing it um, and the CEV are in action this weekend where Dennis Foggia can clinch the Moto3 Junior World Championship uh, if he finishes on the podium uh, this weekend at Motorland Aragon um, he can clinch that championship with two races to spare um, because he currently has a sixty-two point lead in the championship uh, over his nearest rival. rival. Um, but yeah, Dre, uh, it's we're coming into that stage of the season where it's going to get very, very busy. Of course, we have the Brands Triple Header in BSB, the three MotoGP races in consecutive weekends, uh, and of course, the World Superbikes have two rounds still to go. But uh, yeah, next weekend we may be time filling.
1: Yeah, like good luck with that one, Lewis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might, I, might pull, I might pull a sickie for the week. Um, <laughs> I'll have to wait and see how we go. But yeah, I mean this is this is the sort of time where it gets very stacked quite quickly, unfortunately. And as a result, you, you can get some some situations where you get dead weeks like this one. Um was one of the one that's coming up next time around, So um Maybe we'll be our heads together and figure something out. Yeah, we'll
0: bang our heads together. We'll come up with something. We went unscripted last time and it's uh, still managed to fill two hours. So we'll uh, we'll come up with some sort of um, backup plan for next week. We'll, we'll no doubt have a show, episode 34. Um, um, but uh, yeah, watch this space in terms of what's going to be on it because we don't know yet. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, in terms of uh, other things that you can uh, follow on this network, episode 107 um of motorsport 101 coming up this week and um yeah circumstances over the next 24
1: hours will dictate dre's mood for it just a little bit um dive bomb into turn one dive bomb into turn one yeah. no, no sorry um yeah sebastian you know you know the drill yeah because dive bombs um, into
0: turn one at suzuka have got a great rate of success haven't they uh,
1: listen it's all i've got at this yeah. point lewis desperate times call for desperate measures but um we we'll, we'll... 107 of motorsport 101 next week inevitably talking about all the news from suzuka obviously more about the uh, jody and palmer uh, carlos signs switcheroo that was breaking news about 20 minutes before we actually started recording this episode because of course mm. um that and inevitably a whole lot more again the pity Le Mans the 10 hour endurance race there from road atlanta um with team penske at the front and all sorts of other stuff as well i'm probably digging into your bed bag as well so keep an eye out for all of that stuff as well
0: But yeah, episode 107 next week. Mm. Yeah, that's all to come uh, next week here on Motorsport uh, 101. In the meantime, you can uh, follow us in all the usual places, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. On Twitter, we are at motorsport underscore 101. Uh, Our YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. And indeed, if you want to back us financially on Patreon, earn yourself early access to Bike Live and Motorsport 101's podcasts uh it's patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 all the information can be found on our website which is uh, motorsport101.net my thanks to andre harrison for joining me this week for episode 33 and i look forward to all of your company um next week for episode 34 um in a week where we salute the three-time world superbike champion uh the three pete for jonathan ray we will talk to you all next week